Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers 22. And here in Numbers 22, a continuation of uh, our study from last week, we took some time uh, and, and looked at passages regarding Balaam. Now, if we were to, for the next several chapters, we're going to see some beautiful, beautiful things regarding Balaam and how the Lord is using him. But then at the same time, we're also going to see if, 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 if we were to boil down this, the next several chapters as a theme, you know, perhaps we could say um, the seduction of Balaam or uh, Balak's seduction unto Balaam. It's very important to, to see these passages as new covenant believers and the impact of Balaam's choices on Israel and his position with the Lord. And it's not so good. It's not so good. We see beautiful, beautiful attributes of what's happening with Balaam, but then at the same time, in the long run, we see some terrible, terrible things. And as a little refresher, last week we see how Balak, Balak, he's the, the leader of the of the Moabites, and he's freaked out at Israel because Israel is winning battles against other peoples, other tribes, other nations. And so he's freaked out at Israel, and so he calls Balaam. He, he, de he desires to have Balaam come to him and curse Israel. And because his ultimate goal is that he wants to defeat Israel. That's what he desires. If you remember in chapter 22, uh, uh, verse uh, 5, around the middle, he says, look, a people has come from Egypt. This is, this is Balak's request. This is what he desires. He says, see, they cover the face of the earth and they are settling next to me. He's referring to Israel. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. This is uh, 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 the Moab king, Balak. This is his request unto Balaam. Okay, and so we took a pause to look at some passages uh, 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 in Scripture regarding Balaam, the Lord's perspective on Balaam. It's very important to understand these things because we're going to see some beautiful attributes, these beautiful things with Balaam, but it's short term. It's short term. It's not long term. It's not choices that he's making for the rest of his life. It's choices that he's making for the short term. And the short term is beautiful. But you and me both, we're in the same boat. We have to finish well. You look at the, the starting line of any race, of any marathon. You look at the starting line. And what do you see? Hordes of people. Masses of people. And understandably so. That's You'll see, I mean, if you go to like the, uh, 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 the New York Marathon... You know, and, and you'll see at the at the starting line, you'll see the fit people. You'll see like the pro run, the people who travel from around the world and they travel here just, just for their marathon destinations. And it, they just so happen to be in New York. And, you know, you see the super, super fit people, the people who can run like, you know, they're, they're training for the Olympics. But then you see the chubby people, too, the people who, you know, they put on their headband, they put on their gear and, you know, their blubber. And it's like, wow, you know, I mean. They're going to have a, a terrible, terrible time, but it's more for like the self-esteem. I get it. But that's what you see at the starting point. That's what you see. You see the super, super fit people 
And then you see like the super like buff people who, you know, they just want the fitness. They're not going to get good times because they're carrying a lot of weight. Then you see like the, the super skinny people who can run major, major distances. Then you can see some thicker people, some chubby people. You're going to see the walkers. You're going to see old people. They're walking, you know. You're going to see all kinds of people. But the, it hasn't even started yet. It hasn't even started yet. And then the gun goes off. Boom. And you're going to see people. You're going to see people sprinting and they're going to tire out because they're using up all their energy. And then you're going to see people who have a nice pace, a nice, beautiful stride, a nice pace. And they're going to keep that pace for a long time. I was watching this uh, 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 this uh, 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 Israeli, a female Israeli, and she's going to be competing in the Olympics. And they're doing like a, uh, uh, a news report on her. And they were talking about her stride. And her stride, her stride is incredible. And she just keeps, she's a distance runner. She's not a, a sprinter, but she's a distance runner. And she just keeps this stride and she locks it in. And she's just like, Boom, 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 left foot, right foot, and her stride is huge, but she keeps that same pace throughout the, oh, it was beautiful, beautiful to watch, you know, and it's so cool because you see these distance runners, and they're disciplined, disciplined, how they train their bodies, not just the starting, the starting line, nothing's even happened, but then, boom, the gun goes off, and then you'll see the people, you'll see the choices they've made, you'll see people sprint for a couple city blocks, and then you'll see, oh, their, 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 their knees hurt, or their, you know, their hip is out of socket, or they can't breathe. And then they start walking, and they fall out, and they say, oh, well, I'll try next year. And you see the people, they're walking. And I'm not trying to, you know, say walking isn't a bad thing. Walking is nice. But finish finish the same group of people that you see at the starting line at the starting point the masses of people if you were to count all of them male female skinny chubby whatever and then you go to the finish line and count the people that cross the finish line it wouldn't be the same it's not going to be the same it's going to be less in some cases far less Speed-wise, way less because you're going to have first place, second place, third place, and then, you know, that's it. After that, I mean, you always want to go for first place, but, you know, you're not going to see the masses of people tied for first place. Finish. And that's what I think about. I reflect when I think about Balaam. Because, you know, the, 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 the starting point, nice, this is beautiful. You know, the gun goes off, first city block, beautiful. Second city block, beautiful. Third city block, beautiful. Fourth city block, Balaam, what's happening here? Fifth city block, Balaam. What's happening? Finish line? It's not good. It's not pretty for Balaam. You see, run your race. You and me both. Run your race. Finish well. I don't care if you walk, if you jog, if you sprint. I would say, you know, slow it down a little bit. Don't sprint. Because you're going to tire out. That's what you see in the church a lot. 
A lot of people sprint. Wow, look how fast I'm running. Look how fast I'm running. Oh, slow down, slow down. Look how fast I'm running. Look, I can run faster than this guy. I can run faster than this girl. I can run fast. Look how fast I am. Okay, slow down, slow down. Then all of a sudden, you hear the, the panting. Oh my goodness, slow down, slow down. No, 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 look how fast I'm running. And all of a sudden, the cramps. You see? All of a sudden, the, the sprint becomes a walk. And all of a sudden, the knees hurt. And the walk becomes a stop. And then they fall out. Oh, I can't go on any further. That's what you see. That's what's happening in the church. I, you don't need me to tell you this. We see it. And so we look at these passages in Balaam, and that's what I reflect on. Running our race. Not like Balaam. Not like Balaam. Like a Joshua. You see, like a Caleb. You see? Run your race. Finish well. So we see like the first city block, so to speak. That's where we left off last week. You see this beautiful intimacy that the Lord has with Balaam in chapter 22, verse 9, where we left off. And you see how God engages all. You see this intimacy. God desires intimacy with all. Old Testament, New Testament. Yesterday and today and forevermore, He desires intimacy with you. And here we see this picture of intimacy, the Lord and Balaam. And so uh, this request was made to, to, to Balaam, you know, come curse Israel. I want to defeat them. Come curse Israel. And so Balaam says, you know, in verse 8, lodge here tonight to this uh, entourage that, 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 that Balak sent. Wise men that Balak sent to, to, to make this request upon Balaam. And so he says here, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam in verse 9. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? I love this so much. Who are these men with you? Because God already knows. God already knows. And sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, a lot of times, the Lord wants us to know. The Lord already knows. And much of the time, when these questions are posed to you, the Lord wants you to know. And we're going to understand that more as we progress further in our study. Who are these men with you, the Lord asked. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, he repeats Balak's request. Look, a people has come out to Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. That's the request that Balak has of Balaam. And so, you know, you hear me say, you know, sometimes God wants us to know. Remember, the Lord says, who are these men with you? To Balaam. Ba the Lord already knows. And sometimes the Lord wants us to know. So what do you, what do you mean? I don't get it. Look what, look what Balak is asking. Look at what Balak is asking. Number one, look at situationally speaking. God has made himself known. 
in in the land you know egypt was you know uh, pharaoh was was past tense god on earth nobody was more powerful than pharaoh this is you know in accordance to the world there were the Baals, there were the Ashtoreth, but wow, you know, there were the Canaanites, Moabites, Hittites, Hivites, but the Egyptians, whoo, you don't mess with these people. And they have this group of people, a slave class, a Hebrew people, the Jews, Israel, and they were placed under bondage because the Lord was forgotten. Remember our study in Genesis? And Joseph, Zafnath Paneah. And then the Lord was forgotten. And then all of a sudden, the next Pharaoh, you know, a generation forgets the Lord. A generation upon generation, the Lord becomes forgotten. And when the Lord becomes forgotten, it's not so pretty. Look at our world today. What happens when the Lord becomes forgotten? You could look at our, our culture, our cities, our towns. Our, you could look at that, but look in a home, look in a family. What happens within a family when the Lord becomes forgotten? I mean, do you need me to die? I can give you example upon example upon example. But when the Lord becomes forgotten, a family turns into a cesspool. Look at, look at a creek. Look at a creek. When there's that nice flow of water, everything is nice and pristine and nice and clean. When there's that nice flow of water, running water. Do you remember our study in Leviticus about running water? Cleansing of running water. And so you look at a creek and you have this nice running water, but then all of a sudden you stop the flow of water. And so this creek now, it, the water just the, the water that just it, there's no flow, and, and you, 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 you you section it off, and then all like when beavers come to town, you know, look at what the beavers do. Beautiful, beautiful beavers. And they kind of mess up the waterways, you know. And it's so it's so interesting to see what happens when water, when there's no flow of water. Look at a pond. Look at a pond that's been, you know, a fresh pond after two days. You know, there was a flow of water. The water is cut off. And look at how the pond sits there. And after a day, two days, fine, it's a pond. You can go swimming in it. A week, you can still go swimming in it. A couple months, no flow of water. It's starting to get pretty nasty. The things start to die fish you know that there's no more food they start to die and then all of a sudden the bacteria comes in the algae comes in and it gets nasty it turns into a swamp it gets really funky really nasty really stinky why there's no flow of water no flow of fresh water and it just blows me away you know that's what happens when the lord becomes forgotten it's like you have this nice flow of water, living water. 
when the Lord is remembered, when the Lord is retained, when the Lord is honored, you have this nice flow of water. And yes, you're going to have, there's going to be aspects of the carnal nature. There's going to be aspects of sin because we're in these earth suits. Trespasses, we're in these earth suits. But you're going to have this nice flow of water to cleanse. But when the Lord becomes forgotten, that flow of water, it stops. And then things start to die. The bacteria starts to come in. The algae starts to come in. And it just gets nastier and nastier and nastier because there's no flow of living water. Look at a home. Look at a family. Look at a neighborhood. Look at a city. Look at a state. Look at a nation. No flow of water. Living water. That's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. We have these examples, Old Testament and New Testament. But who retains the Lord? Who retains the Lord? In their mind, in their heart, in the very fiber of their being, who retains the Lord? You see? And so, you know, you hear me say, you know, sometimes God wants you to know, look at your Balaam. Who, who, who are these people with you? Or who are these men with you? That's what the Lord asked with Balaam. And so Balaam responds, you know, yeah, this is what Balak is Lord, this is what Balak is asking. You know, curse them. I shall overpower them, and perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. I'm reading from verse 11. And I wonder if God is, okay, just, just so we're clear on the matter, Balaam. Just so we're clear on the, on the matter. Look at what I did to Egypt. Look at the cloud that is following uh, uh, these Hebrew people, Israel. Just so you know who, who, what this request is. You see how, you know, that's what's so powerful about the Word of God. Among other things, one of, you know, a multitude of things. Because, you know, it, it, it just, it, 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 it blows me away. Because the Lord, He has His Word. We read His Word. And sometimes, you know, in, 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 this is like counseling 101. Counseling 101. My old pastor in California, he would always say, if everybody was obedient to the Bible, I would counsel nobody. There would be absolutely zero counseling because everybody's obedient to the Word of God. That's kind of wishful thinking. I, I, it pains me to say that, but it is kind of wishful thinking. And when I say this is counseling 101 because... Whatever situation you face, whatever situation you're in, whatever situation, anything, we have the Word of God. And so the Word of God is everything. This is our living water. And the Word became flesh. And so we have our situation, we have our whatever, and we have the Word of God. Since that's the case, it's like, okay, now the onus is on us. Counseling 101. Biblical Counseling 101. 
someone comes to you, oh, you know what, I got this problem, you know, I got this problem, and, you know, my friend, he wants me to go and, you know, uh, 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 worship Satan. That's kind of an easy one in terms of being the counselor. That's kind of an easy, easy one. Lowercase c, not the uppercase c, is the Holy, the Holy Spirit, you know. The helper, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So a friend comes to you, oh yeah, I got this friend, you know, he, and he, 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 this friend that you have is requesting counsel. Oh yeah, I have this friend, I don't know what to do, I'm a Christian, yeah, you know, I liked Sunday service, it was good. Kind of long, but I liked it. But, you know, that, that's beside the point. You know, my friend, he wants me to go worship Satan with him. They got this temple, you know, they meet over here. They cut off the heads of cats and they do the blood, the blood ritual. And he wants me to go and, and join them. There's going to be some drinking. We're going to have some fun, you know, and do all these things. This is kind of a no-brainer. So if you're in this counseling, you're in the counselor position, that's, that's easy. That's a no-brainer. But I say this because, you know, as a no-brainer, because it's like, wait a second, so you have this situation and you have the Word of God. That's what I mean when I say, you know, just so you know, sometimes the Lord, just so you, you know, who are these people with you, Balaam? Balaam explains, this is, what the, this is what Balak wants me to do. These are the people that Balak wants me to curse. These are the, the people that Balak wants to defeat. And drive away. I think this is so powerful because it put things it, it puts things in proper perspective for us. It does for me. I hope it does for you. Because sometimes in this seduction, seduction that is all around us. Someone might say, hey, I need help over here. Hey, I need help over here. There's aspects of, you know, ministering to others, which is, you know, helping. But in helping, don't forget that Satan is a fisherman too. You can never, ever, ever leave the rock. And I speak of Jesus Christ. Go fishing. Go fishing, but never, ever, ever leave the rock. And that's what you see happen in ministry all the time. All the time people leave the rock. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go minister to these crackheads. I'm going to go minister to these prostitutes. And yes, God loves, you know, it's like, you know, God loves his creation. You see uh, prostitutes who come to Christ in the Bible. But sometimes a certain ministry is not for you. Yes, the Lord loves His creation. But sometimes a ministry is not for you. Remember, there's manifold ministries. The gifting of the Holy Spirit. We're you talking about that. We're studying that in, in Corinthians, our Sunday study. Someone says, oh, I'm going to go minister to these Christ. Why? Surely the Lord would want them to be Christians. Yes, it's true. But maybe your knowledge base, your skill set 
supernaturally speaking. Maybe you're equipped to go fishing for minnows. Maybe you're equipped to go fishing for trout at, at like max. But to go fishing for whales? To go fishing for the great white? Not yet. Not yet, or maybe even no. This is where we have to test the spirits. Because you see a lot of well-meaning people, well-meaning Christians, brothers and sisters. They say, oh, I'm going to go minister to the Krakens. And then in the course of time, in the course of a year, in the course of six months, instead of them fishing for souls, it's Satan that has fished for them. And you see brothers and sisters get, get sucked into these lifestyles. You know, there's these ministries in Southern California. They're all over, but, you know, I was, I was made aware of them in Southern California. And it's prostitutes, former prostitutes who became Christians, and they go and minister to the prostitutes. They hang out at the strip clubs, and it's a lot of women, a lot of women. I mean, like, they're the spearhead. These former prostitutes, former strippers, they're in the uh, pornography industry. They were. They become Christians. They don't dress the same. They don't behave the same. They don't, you know, uh, act the same. They're different. They're new creations in Christ. And they're the ones that are the, the, the spearhead of these ministries to go and, you know, you see the prostitutes on the streets. And then you all of a sudden you see these, you know, former prostitutes who are now Christians. And they go and minister to these people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Winning souls. Fishing for uh, fishing, fishers of men, fishers of women. Now, where are the men? The men have more of a admin role. You know, sometimes you see guys there in the office. You see guys there on their knees praying. You see, it's it's we have to be wise. Understand that Satan is a fisherman. Well-meaning Christians. You know, just like the marathon. The very beginning of the marathon, everything's beautiful. Everything's fine and dandy. The gun goes off, you know, first city block. Everything's fine and dandy. Everything's beautiful. Everybody's running some at different paces. Second city block, everything's still fine and dandy. Third city block, okay, you're starting to see some changes. In the demographic. Satan is a fisherman. He roams around like a lion waiting for whom he may devour. And we have to be wise. So the Lord says to Balaam, Balaam, who are these, who are these guys with you? And it's beautiful that they have intimacy, Balaam and the Lord. Balaam, who are these people with you? Oh, he wants, he, he wants me to curse. You know those people, Lord, that you're leading? You know those people that you rescued from Egypt? Lord, those are the people that Balak wants me to curse. You see? You see that disconnect immediately? Just so you know, Balaam. You see? Just so you know this request that is being made. And straight up, this is counseling 101. Because you're going to have people come to you and ask you these questions. Oh, I got this situation. You know, my friend wants me to go worship Satan. What do I do? It's kind of a no-brainer. 
because you know you look at you know their choices that their choice that they have to make you look at the word of god and then you can give biblical counsel you see but you know before you do that you you can't be you know crazy yourself you have to be firmly planted in the word because satan's a fisherman I mean, if you're uh, 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 fishing for minnows and you're only equipped to fish for minnows and your friend comes to you, hey, I need counsel. My friend wants me to go worship Satan. And you say, well, you know, God, God does want us to love others. So I think it's okay. It's no big deal. And then your friend says, oh, yeah, why don't you come with me? We're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah, God wants me to love and, you know. Paul was, he was one with the people too. So I think I'm going to go do that too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get sucked in. Why? Because you're not equipped. You're not equipped. It's very interesting when we look at these passages in the book of Acts to see the equipping of the saints and then they go out. You see, don't forget the apostles before they were apostles, they were disciples. You see? It's very of utmost importance to understand that. It's not to say you can't go into this ministry, you can't serve the Lord in whatever capacity, but for some, for a lot, for the majority, it's hold on, not yet. Not yet. Because you have to grow, you have to mature. Because you're not running a race for a year. You're not running a race for, you know, five years, ten years. You're running your race for the rest of your life until your last dying breath. And you have to endure. You see? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. That's where the knowledge of the Word of God, the gift of knowledge, to understand the Word of God. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, counseling 101 and helping another person, but what about choices that you have to make for you to honor the Lord? When you have proposition number one, proposition number two, proposition number three, all these propositions, and don't forget Satan's a fisherman. You see? Doctrine, sound doctrine. And then comes obedience. You see? You have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. I have a choice. We're in the same boat. And so we see these passages here. You know, uh, do, do, you, do you see what Balak is asking? Do you see what Balak is asking? And I love how the Lord even says, who are these men with you? I love it so much. Because he already knows. Just so you know, Balaam. Just, I want to make sure you know, Balaam. And so look at verse 12. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now, this is God's position on the matter. Now, your move, Balaam. Your move, Balaam. 
So Balak, you know, Balak's request of Balaam is, come curse this people and I can defeat them. I can drive them out. I can overpower them. And God's position on the matter, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. That's God's position on the matter. Now Balaam has a choice to make. Now that the Lord made his position known to Balaam, now it's his move. I love that so much. It's kind of basic. What about you and me? When we seek the face of the Lord, oh Lord, I have this decision to make. What do I do? Lord, I have this decision to make for my family. What do I do? Lord, I have this decision to make for my business. What do I do? Lord, I have this decision to make for my kids. What do I do? Lord, I have this decision to make for, you know, uh, this fellowship. What do I do? Lord, I have this decision to make for whatever, fill in the blank. And I wonder if the Lord, who are these people that are asking you? Oh, well, you know, it's, you know. This guy, yeah, he does crack, you know, and so this guy wants me to do this, okay? Just so you know. There's this other person, you know, they go grave soaking, you know. They think it's okay to take the mark of the beast. Oh, just so you know, just so you know. You see? I love this so much. Now the ball's in in Balaam's court. And when we come to the Lord in our intimacy, we seek His face. Lord, I have this situation. I need your help. What do I do? Who's that? Who who are these people making this request? And you can respond to the Lord. Oh, this this, is a crackhead. The sex head. Or the man of God. Or the woman of God. My friend. My brother in Christ. My sister in Christ. And when you put things in that perspective. Oh my goodness. It it will blow you away. When you analyze. And you look at the fruit. It will blow you away. Then you'll start to understand and see, like as New Covenant believers, when Paul says, you know, anybody named a brother. Not even to eat with such a person. You see? I'm referring to our study in 1 Corinthians 5. The division that truth, the division that the Word of God causes truth you'll understand it deeper and deeper and deeper and it will help you mature in Christ and it will help you go from a fisher of minnows to a fisher of trout to a fisher of salmon to a fisher of sturgeon to a fisher of tuna to a fisher of the great white to a fisher of the killer whale to a fisher of The sperm whale, I think that's the biggest one. I don't know. There's a big one out there. 
You see? But a lot of people, they're minnow fishers. They're only equipped to fish for minnows. Now, that's good for the minnows because, yeah, you could win minnows. But when it comes to the heavy subject, I mean, it's very interesting about atheists these days. I'm, 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 I was shocked, but now I'm not so shocked. I guess I still kind of am shocked. I mean, I'm bringing it up. But atheists, it's very interesting. Atheists know the Bible more than a lot of Christians. In some cases, atheists know, their, know the Bible more than pastors and elders. Because I've had these conversations with elders and the, or, <laughs> with Satanists, with atheists. And they, po- they posed the most beautiful, beautiful questions. Now, if you're an atheist, if you're a Satanist, I love you. You know, God loves you. And I don't, you know, we have to, you know, as uh, I wasn't an atheist, but I, I believed in God, but I was kind of like a, a Gnostic. This was back in the day. But understand that, you know, if you're a Satanist, he's a liar. He's going to destroy you. He's going to kill you. That's what he wants. He, he, he lies to you. I like to think of Satan like a pimp. You know, look at, I don't, I, I don't like to, you know, I, I like to think of him that way, but I don't like to say it because it's like, you know, it's like, whoa, that's a pimp. What are you talking about? Well, if you've ever spoken to like a former prostitute, it's like they're slaves. Straight up slaves. They don't like what they're doing. But they earn income, they have their pimp, and it's like, wow. But look what happens when the prostitute starts to gain weight or she gets old. All of a sudden, the, the pimp's like, okay, I'm done with you. And, you know, the prostitute is just like left in the doldrums of society. That's what Satan does. If you're a Satanist, there's a better way. God loves you. God loves you. And you might have been told many a time, God wants nothing to do with you. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've done. God wants nothing to do with you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. You reject Satan and you come to Christ. Get in the ark, get in the boat. You see, but it's very interesting. Atheists and Satanists, a lot of them know their Bible or know the Bible. More than the questions that have been posed by Satanists and atheists. Beautiful questions too. Honest questions. In some cases, you know, it's just like an attack. Well, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, you're mocking, but. And I think of one atheist in particular, a homosexual. And I hope you're listening. I pray for this individual. If you're listening, I want you to know that. Because we're having this beautiful, beautiful conversation. Questions being posed. 
And at first it was like an attack. Well, the Bible says this. No, 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 no. You were told that. In accordance to, you know, Calvinism. Yeah, that's Calvinism. But let's look at what the Bible says. And then piece by piece, it's almost like you could see the heart getting softer and softer. Atheist, homosexual. Wow, I never knew that. I never knew that. Look, do you have a Bible? Yeah, I'll I'll get it. Turn here. Open up this passage. Wow, I never knew that. Nobody told me. And you can see almost like the heart being chipped away. God can do anything. God can do anything. You know, it's very important for Christians. We have to understand these things. Like, you know, you know, you might not be able to go fishing for whales. But as you mature, you know, in the course of time, through growth and maturity, you can go fishing for whales. And a lot of cases, not yet. If you're an atheist, Satanist, deny your God. Lowercase g. Because there is no one more powerful than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he has a son. His name is Jesus Christ. You say, wait a second, I'm an atheist. What do you mean deny my God? Well, for the atheist, your God is you. You have to deny self. You see, this is something that a lot of Christians get into trouble because they're so eager to enter in this ministry. They're so eager to enter into that ministry, which is fine. I get it. I understand it. But maturity has to happen because if it doesn't happen, it can be dangerous. You mean to tell me a ministry can be dangerous? Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you take a two-year-old, you know, tuna fishing? Tuna's good. I like tuna. Nice tuna fish sandwich. I love it. Good. I love tuna. Tuna's good. You mean off the coast, it's nice, sunny day, you know, you're having some laughs, you know. You got your soda, you got your water, you you know, you a little barbecue at whatever you catch, a little barbecue on the beach, everything's fine. Uh, a nice, fun time. But are you going to take a two-year-old fishing with Are you going to put a fishing pole in a two-year-old's hand? No way. That would be stupid. That would be dangerous. Because the two-year-old's going to be holding on to the fishing pole. The tuna's going to bite. And then all of a sudden, the two-year-old's going to go flying right off the boat. And quite possibly die. You see? That would be stupid. But the same exact thing happens in our walk with the Lord. People say, oh, why wouldn't God want these crackheads to be Christians? It's true. Why wouldn't God want these prostitutes to be Christians? It's true. And He does love them. He loves all His creation. 
and He is long-suffering that they repent and come to Christ. It is true. But is that particular ministry for you? Or are you that two-year-old going to go fishing for tuna? You have to be honest with yourself. Because if you look at your life, your knowledge base of the Word of God, sound doctrine, you have to be honest and say, you know what? I am a two-year-old. You know what? I am a five-year-old. And no, no pride there. It's not to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm higher education. I know. No, no pride. Remember, it's for the sake of souls and winning souls. It's for all of us. We have to understand these things. Remember the example when we were studying in, in, in Corinthians? You know, the rugby players? The rugby players playing with five-year-olds? And 80-year-olds playing together? Humility is required. You see? It's not to be like, oh yeah, look how awesome I am. Look at the knowledge I have. Look how cool I am. And I, I can go fishing for tuna. I can go fishing for whales. No. Look at the rugby field. 80-year-old, 20-year-old, 5-year-old. Look at the rugby field. Hearkening to the example in our study in 1 Corinthians. But then at the same time, you know, we have to see this seduction that is happening to Balaam. And that's what we're going to see here. And so, look what happens here in verse 12, the Lord he makes his position known. God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. So beautiful, Balaam. Good job, Balaam. I don't you know. Balaam's not seeking the accolades of men. But wow, okay. Everything's fine and dandy here. First city block. First city block. Maybe maybe half the city block, not even the full city block. Everything's fine and dandy. Praise be to the Lord. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So don't forget why, you know. This is the report. You know, Balaam refuses to come with us. But don't forget why. Don't forget why. The Lord. That's why. The Lord. You know, what if a friend comes to you and says, oh, yeah, you know, my, my other friends, they're inviting me to go uh, 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 do some crack. They got some uh, nice crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Come with us. We're going to have a good time. And say, no, 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 no. I, 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 I can't go. I'm not going to go with you guys. Don't, don't forget to say Why? The Lord, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. That is unbecoming of a Christian. And you know what? You're a Christian too. We go to church together. Why are you going to go do that? No, instead of you going with them, why don't we hang out together? Let's have a little Bible study. Let's pray for one another. You see? Don't forget to say why. When you make, you know, somebody says, oh yeah, let's go do this, let's go do this. No, 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 no. 
I'm not going to do that. Why? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I want my I want to honor the Lord. I want my choices to honor the Lord. So no, I'm not going to go do crack with you. No, I'm not going to go to the strip club with you. When these forms of seduction come to you in whatever way, shape, or form, because they will come. But you look at your situation, your position, you look at the Bible, you read the Bible, and the Lord makes his position known. Now the ball's in your court. You have a choice to make, just like Balaam. The ball's in your court, Balaam. And Balaam says, no, I'm not going to go with you guys. Wow, okay. And so look at verse 15. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. Very interesting. You see, Balak is persistent. Balak is persistent. Now, look at Balak as a type of Satan. You see, he's patient. You see, he's persistent. And you see, he's also potent. Balaam's obedience. Balaam. You know, you have to make Balak, L-A-K at the end. That's the Moabite king. Balaam, that's the guy who has intimacy with the Lord right now. And see Balak as a type of Satan. And you see how he's persistent. And yes, Balaam's obedience is good. But are we talking short-term? His short-term obedience, good. His long-term obedience, not so good. No endurance. No endurance. You see? Maybe he started sprinting. The gun goes off and he started sprinting. First city block, okay, he made it. Second city block, okay, he made it. Third city block, Balaam, what's happening? What's happening, Balaam? His endurance is found wanting. Meanwhile, look at the persistence of Balak. And see Balak as a type of Satan. You might run one city block. Are you sprinting? You might run two city blocks faster than anybody else. Are you sprinting? Because if you're sprinting, you're going to get tired. And your race that you're in, this race that we're all in, it's not just for five months. It's not for five years. It's not for a decade, five decades. It's for the rest of your life. For the rest of of your life. Oh, but I want to save souls. I want to save souls. Praise be to the Lord. That is honorable. Now, in order to save souls, there are prerequisites. Prerequisites. What do you mean I want to save souls? I'm eager to save souls. Well, the world has examples of this. Oh, I want to be a brain surgeon. I want to go operate on people's brains. Okay. You can't just go do it right now. You have a lot of school to attend. You have to learn. 
And not just when you when you're done with school. I mean, your education doesn't stop. Formal education, yes, but you got residency. You see, the natural world testifies of these things. Oh, but I want to fish for souls. I want to be a fisher of men. Praise be to the Lord. You desire an honorable thing in accordance with the word of God. And, you know, maybe in, in a, a couple months, maybe, in a, you know, you might be able to fish for minnows today. Go fishing for minnows. Trout? That might be dangerous. Sturgeon? Definitely no. But maybe sturgeon in a couple months. Maybe sturgeon in a couple years. Maybe whales in a couple years. You see? Look at this contrast that we see in the church in Corinth in our study on Sundays. Arrested development for three years. And Satan, knowing that Satan is a fisherman... Look at the works of the flesh that were in Corinth, in the church. Just the fact that Paul had to say, I say Paul, but remember he's a vessel of the Lord, inspired of the Spirit. To go to a church, to write a letter to the church and say, anybody named a brother that is, you know, sexually immoral, a drunkard, you know, not even to eat with such a person. That's sad. That's sad that he has to say that. And he's inspired of the Spirit. And I don't mean to say like it's sad like in terms of, you know, like, uh, uh, Lord, why are you doing this? But sad for the sake of the church, for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, the dishonor that is brought before the Lord. This, where were the pastors? Where were the elders? You see this persistence of Balak as a type of Satan. Okay. Balaam, you you want to honor the Lord? Okay, I get it. Remember, Balak's desire is for Israel to be cursed so that he can defeat them. That's his desire. Okay, Balaam, you want to run... One city block? Okay, fine. You want to be the fastest one to run two city blocks? Okay, fine. Excuse me. But then, I'm going to get you at the fourth city block. I'll get you at the fifth. You see? You have to pace yourself. Yes, run your race. But you have to pace yourself. Sprint? No. Walk? If you have to walk, walk. Maybe you've sprinted and you're tired. Don't give up. Take a moment of respite and get up again. And let's start walking. And we're going to start walking. Our legs are going to get strong again. And now let's start jogging. Nice little pace. Nice little. Because this race that we're in, it's for the rest of our lives. It's not for five months. It's not for five years. It's for the rest of our lives. A lot of times people don't think in the longevity of their life. 
They're on fire for the Lord in the first year. On fire for the Lord the first two years. The first two city blocks. But then they get tired. Or because they have not grown understanding that Satan is a fisherman too. They enter these ministries because they're so on fire for the Lord. And then all of a sudden, Satan strikes. And this person that was doing these, you know, this ministries to win souls of people involved with drugs, Satan's a fisherman too. And then all of a sudden, they start doing the drugs themselves. They get sucked into these lifestyles and then they deny the Lord who bought them. Just as Brother Peter says. You see? This is the battlefield in which we live. Battlefields are dangerous. I mean, you go walk through a, like a park, fine and dandy. You walk through a park, you walk through a city, you walk through wherever, you walk through a meadow, everything is fine. You go to a war zone, you go to the front lines of a war zone, it's very, very, very dangerous. One step could kill you. One step could kill you. You have to be alert. Eyes wide open and eyes everywhere. You see? That's how you have to be. Patrolling through a hot zone. And you rely on the guy next to you. You rely on the guy to your right, the guy to your left, the guy in the front, the guy in the back. And you have, you know, fields of vision. One guy's eyes are, you know, one place. The other guy's eyes is another place. So you have like a 360 view. Not just 360, above too. All these fields of vision. And you trust every single person in that fire team or every single person in that squad. You trust them with your life and they trust you with their lives. They know that we're going to go from point A to point B and you're not, you know, uh, have your eyes closed. No, your weapon's at the ready and eyes out. You trust the guy next to you. You trust the guy behind you. You trust the guy in front of you. And you have your field of vision. That's what it's like going from point A to point B in a hot zone where death is imminent. But for the Christian, knowing that Satan roams around like a lion waiting for whom he may devour, knowing that, knowing that he's a fisherman and he wants to kill you, knowing that he's a fisherman and he wants to kill your kids, everybody in your family he wants to destroy, he wants to drag them all to hell, knowing that, what is our response? You see, this occur, occurs with maturity in Christ. And Balak, his persistence. Okay, Balaam, you want to honor the Lord? That's cool. That's fine. Verse 15, then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly. Very interesting. 
I will honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. Very interesting. So he, you know, spices things up a little bit. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Now, don't forget, the Lord already made his position known. In verse 12, Balaam, don't curse this people. Do not curse this people. But Balak is persistent. Yeah, come curse this people, Balaam. Come curse this people. Yeah, I know I know you think they're God's people. I know you think that God rescued them and God is with them. I know you think that. But if you curse them, you know what? I'm going to honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say. Very interesting. Then Balak answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give his house Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Wow. Wow. Balaam. Balaam, that is so noble. Praise be to the Lord. But you have to understand that even nobility can be corrupted. Even nobility can be corrupted. And you and me. As we progress further in the last days, you're going to see this more and more and more and more occur in the church among Christians. You're going to see this more and more and more where nobility is corrupted. It's one of the signs of the times when the church goes dark. You see? Thankfully, those days will be shortened. It's prophesied. It's prophesied to happen. It will come to pass. As surely as the Lord lives, it will come to pass. So you see this persistence of Balak. And you see this obedience of Balaam. But I can't say steadfast nature. Of Balaam. Because look at verse 19. Now therefore, please also stay stay here tonight. This is, you know, wow, look how hospitable Balaam is. Very hospitable, Balaam. Stay with here, stay here with me tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Remember verse 12, don't curse Israel. Verse 12. That the Lord made his position known. Don't curse them. In verse 20, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. You see, intimacy with the Lord has specifics. I mean, you, you see the intimacy of the Lord and Moses and look at the specificity of the temple. That's just the, not, the, not the temple, the tabernacle. And that's just the tabernacle, not, not, not just the tabernacle. That's just the tabernacle, but you know, when I say just the tabernacle, it, it, there are the priestly garments, there are you know the rules for the priests, for the Kohanim, for the Levites. And don't forget the process of things. I mean, you can build the altar, have the blueprints of the altar, but then to actually 
put the altar into use. There's also rules and specifics on what kind of animal, nothing mangy, you know, the conditions for which animal to use, the conditions for, you know, how to use the blood, how to use the meat, how to use the offal. How do you, there are specifics with intimacy with the Lord. It's not just intimacy where, you know, it's not like, you know, Charlie Brown cartoons. You watch Charlie Brown cartoons and there's Peppermint Patty. You know, everybody's in school studying and you know how she studies? She takes the book, she puts her head back and she lays the book on her face and, you know, she's through osmosis. She's going she's gonna to understand this topic through osmosis. It's going to come off the pages and then soak into her brain. That's Peppermint Patty. Don't be Peppermint Patty. We have to read the Word of God. We have to read Make these pages white. Every jot, every tittle off these pages and into your heart, into your mind. Not just for the today, not just for tomorrow, but for every single day until your last dying breath. Intimacy has specifics. And so the Lord gives him further specifics. If if in verse twenty, if the men come, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. In verse twenty one, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Wait a second, Balaam, what are you doing? The Lord said, if the men call you, the men didn't call you, Balaam. You rise up in the morning, you saddle your donkey, and you're off on the road with the princes of Moab. You're already in disobedience, Balaam. The Lord says in verse 20, if the men come to call you, you wake up in the morning and you're ready to go. And don't forget what he said in, 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 verse, uh, in verse 18. I could in the end of verse 18 he says I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more and already not even a day passes a full 24 hour period not even a full day passes and he's already falling back on what he says the very next day he's already going beyond the word of the Lord You see disobedience But now now that we have this disobedience of Balaam, look what happens. Then God's anger was was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord, notice the capitalization here, capital A. I read out of the New King James Version. These are passages, whenever you see the angel of the Lord and you see the capitalization, most of the time, sometimes it, it can be debated, but most of the times, it's a theophany, Christophany, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. But sometimes you'll just see angel of the Lord, and it's an angel of the Lord. Not to diminish an angel of the Lord. I mean, it's still, you know, the, the Lord has these messengers, angelic messengers. But uh, the majority of time, when you see angel of the Lord, all caps like this, the capital A and cap, you know, the Lord is always capped, but you know, the, the angel of the, well, not always capped, like when a person says, my Lord, but he's speaking to a man, 
my Lord, then you see the Lord case L. But, you know, you see the angel of the Lord. Most of the time, it's a theophany, Christophany in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And you see God's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. So you see, in, 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 in verse 9 and 10, beautiful, beautiful intimacy. Even in verse 20, beautiful, beautiful intimacy, Balaam and the Lord. But now, as a result of Balaam's choice, as a result of Balaam's disobedience, now God is his adversary. As a result of his disobedience, which, which was his choice, mind you. His choice. The Lord says, if the man come to call you in verse 20, wakes up in the morning and all of a sudden he saddles his donkey and boom, let's go, princes of Moab, I'm ready to go. You see? Pretty eager. Don't forget this persistence of Balak when he sends these men who are princes, who are more numerous and more honorable. He also says in verse 17, I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. You see? Don't forget he, he spices things up. Balak spices things up. Makes it a little bit more enticing. And the very next day, Balaam is already disobedient to the Lord. Now, picture Balak as a type of Satan. You see? You see how he spices things up? Somebody says, hey, let's go do crack. You're like, no way, I'm a Christian. But then you get a boyfriend, you get a girlfriend, and you like them. You, they're the things of the flesh, the carnal nature appeals to you. And then your boyfriend or girlfriend, oh, let's go do crack. Okay, I'll go do crack. You see? How Satan spices things up? Where, you know, five months ago, you're like, no way, I'm not doing that. But now you got a brand new boyfriend, now you got a brand new girlfriend. They appeal to your flesh. And now five months later, you're doing crack. Mission accomplished for Satan. He spices things up. First city block. Okay, fine. No big deal. Second city block. Eh, no big deal. Third city block. Strike. I'm going to attack. And when he attacks... You're running, you're running, you're running. First city block, whew, I made it. Second city block, you're sprinting. You're the fastest one. You're the front of the line, front of the pack. Third city block, man, I'm kind of tired. You get a big cramp on your side. Your knees start to hurt. Your thighs start to hurt. Your shins start to hurt. You're breathing and all of a sudden you stop. You're not sprinting anymore. You just stop. You buckle over, you try to catch your breath. Unbeknownst to you, Satan is going to strike. You see? 
Look at this persistence of Balak. The patience of Balak. And also the potency of Balak. You see? Not all powerful, but still powerful. But not the Almighty. And now, as a result of Balaam's disobedience, now you see that God's, in verse 22, God's anger is now aroused against Balaam. You see? And now, he says, And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. This is all a result of Balaam's choices, his disobedience. Don't forget, disobedience is a choice. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not into Reformed theory. Now, if you are a Calvinist, if you are Reformed theory, I love you. But listen to our study through uh, Romans chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. It's going to take you a while, but listen. And we're getting to a stage in time where the Reformers of today are now saying that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. That's what they're saying. That's what they're teaching. Don't ever take the mark of the beast. I don't care who tells you that it's okay. I don't care if they have their own study Bible. I don't care if they have their doctorate in theology from whatever, you know, whatever university, theological university. I do not care. The Bible says don't take the mark of the beast. The Lord makes his position known. And servants of the Lord, in the same spirit of the Lord. Make the position of the Lord known. Never take the mark of the beast. Those with other spirits, they'll deviate. And you're going to see more deviation from truth in the last days. As the church enters large scale, as the church enters into apostasy. It is prophesied to happen. And judgment comes first in the house of God. So look what happens. In verse 22, and he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. In verse 23. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. I love this so much because now uh, Balaam's adversary is the Lord. And the donkey is the one who has eyes to see. Balaam is blind. He can't see the angel of the Lord, but his donkey can. In verse 23, And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. I love this so much. He went into the field. Anytime, anytime you find yourself in a state of disobedience or in a state of trespass, make haste. To the field. And I say that in the spirit of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Make haste to the field like this donkey. This beautiful, 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 blessed donkey who has eyes to see. 
So Balaam, in his blindness, look at what he does. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Very interesting how his helper here is female. Very, very interesting how this donkey who has eyes is female. To those who have ears, let them hear. In verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path. Very interesting, a narrow path. Very interesting. Between the vineyards. Very interesting. Does this resonate as new covenant believers? Does this resonate with you? With a wall on this side and a wall on that side. So you see this vineyard has restrictions on this narrow path. There are walls. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. Now you see Balaam has injury. Injury from the only one who has eyes to see. Now, Balaam's foot, which is now injured, Balaam's foot would be completely fine if Balaam did have eyes to see. Or if Balaam did not choose disobedience, Balaam's foot would be completely fine. Balaam's pain, Balaam's hurt foot is a result of his disobedience. And now look what he does. So he struck her again. His helper who carries a heavy load, who is female. Very interesting. Then the angel of the Lord went further. Remember, God is reactionary. Remember, we started to say these things in in, uh, Exodus and Leviticus. And when you see God as reactionary, you'll understand his corrective nature. But then at the same time, you'll understand his grace and his mercy, his love, his long-suffering, and his compassion. Because yes, God is reactionary, but at the same time, you see his compassion. Because he pleads with Balaam. Even though Balaam is blind, he pleads, but who is the one who is not blind? The beautiful, beautiful, beautiful female donkey. That's who's not blind. The one who's carrying Balaam. That's who's not blind. And not just Balaam, I mean... Travel gear, water, food, supplies. It's a heavy load. On the back of this beautiful, beautiful female donkey who has eyes to see. You see? In verse 26, Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. Wow. The donkey now is refusing to go further. Refusing straight up. I'm done. I'm not going further. Straight up. So Balaam's anger was aroused. Very interesting because don't forget the Lord's anger is aroused. Against Balaam. 
And now Balaam's anger is aroused against the donkey, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Wow, poor donkey. Poor, beautiful, beautiful female donkey. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam. So remember, the donkey is the only one who has eyes to see. And now the donkey is a vessel and a messenger of the Lord. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? You see? What have I done to you? The donkey starts to speak. Now, I have to say something to parents. I love you, but I have to say something to parents. I've talked to many parents, and they say, oh, yeah, we're raising our kid this way. We don't want to, to teach our, our kid about, you know, anything fake. We don't want our kids to, you know, to, 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 we want them to be in the real. We don't want them to be in the fake. We want them to do things that are real. But let me ask you something, oh, parent. Have you ever seen a donkey talk? I haven't. Have you ever seen a donkey talk before? You see? Because so many times I understand from a parental perspective the desire for a a child to have this knowledge base. But at the same time, if you teach your child to walk by sight, it's fine for the world. But it is not fine for paradise. We walk by faith. I've never seen a donkey talk before. Never. Do I dismiss it as 100% impossible? No way. No way. What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? In verse 29, And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, or translates as mocked me, because you have mocked me. You see, Balaam has his little feelers hurt. He has his foot that's hurt. But he has his feelers hurt. You mocked me, donkey. You abused me, donkey. You see? Many who are blind... They have their feelers hurt. It's, it's, remember, Jesus Christ says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. But the Bible, the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, it is an offensive book, capital B. Highly, highly, highly offensive. Highly offensive. Do you know why? Because the Lord is confronting your flesh, point blank. He is confronting your flesh. Not from the back. He's not going to stab you in the back. But he'll stab you from the heart. From the front. Right in your heart. And it's not like a stab like he's going to kill you. But it's a stab because he wants to kill your flesh. Now, it's painful. I tell you the truth. I tell you from experience. It is painful. Because you're going to have all these preconceived notions about X, Y, Z, 1, 2, 3, A, B, C, all kinds of different things. But then you come to the Word of God. And you know what happens to your preconceived notions? You throw them in the trash. 
Well, I want you to throw them in the trash. The same way I had to throw them in the trash. It's you and me. We are the ones who yield to the word of God. It's not the other way around. If you try to make it the other way around, that's blasphemous. That is the way of wickedness. And a lot of people do that. A lot of those who claim to be Christians, they do that. What do I say to you? Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not good. You and me both, we are the ones who yield to the word of God. You and me both, we are the ones who yield to the spirit of the Lord. We might have our preconceived notions about anything, any topic. We come to the word of God and we yield to him. And so look what happens here. Why did you strike me these three times? The donkey, this beautiful, beautiful female donkey asks of Balaam. Balaam who is blind. Balaam who is disobedient. Balaam whose enemy is now the Lord. And he has his little feelers hurt. And a lot of people today, they're going to have their feelers hurt. Offended from truth, they might run for city block. City block number two, city block number three, city block number four. Okay, fine. Number five, number six, number seven. Everything's fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden, a moment of weakness. Or they get a little pain in their ankle. Or they get a little pain in their side. And then they stop running. And then the enemy pounces. And they're on their way into disobedience. They trespass, trespass. They're on their way into disobedience. And then you, maybe you are a donkey. And you have eyes to see. And you make choices to prevent them from going in the direction that they're going. No. You're going to stop. You're going to try to walk them to the field. Just like this beautiful, beautiful female donkey who is helping Balaam. A helper to Balaam. And she has eyes to see. And you might be like this donkey. You have eyes to see. And you're trying to get whoever Balaam this is. You're trying to get them into the field. And whatever Balaam this is, is going to hate you. Is going to strike at you. But they don't see. You see? We're straight up in the book of Numbers. We're straight up in the Old Testament. But as New Covenant believers, this rings true for us today. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a Bible teacher, you correct a brother, you correct a sister. You tell them, hey, look, this path that you're walking, it's not right. And just like the donkey, you're trying to bring them into the field. 
And I tell you the truth, they will hate you. They will hate you. But rejoice. Because you're suffering shame for the name of Jesus Christ. They make their choice. You're on the rock. You stay obedient. And in their disobedience, though you're trying to get them into the field, though you're praying for, to get them in the field, though you're making every effort to get them in the field, you stay in the rock. You're not leaving the rock. You see? In verse 29, Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. Wow. Balaam says that to his donkey, his beautiful, beautiful helper donkey. And Balaam has his little feelers hurt. Yeah, he has a hurt, hurt foot too. But praise be to the Lord, he's alive. Remember, the angel of the Lord was with the sword. And he was his adversary. Balaam's adversary was the Lord now. See? And now Balaam is saying to the donkey, You know what? I wish there were a sword in my hand. For now I would kill you. Very interesting. Because the angel of the Lord has a sword in his hand. In verse 30, So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? Ever since I became yours, you see? Ever since I became yours, Balaam, I've supported you. We've gone from point A to point B. I've supported you. Even to this day, this beautiful donkey says, to this day, was I ever disposed to do this to you? Or was this ever a customary thing? You wanted me to go to point A to point B to point C to point D, and I did it. We did it. I got you there. When did I ever do this? When did I ever hurt your foot? When did I ever, you wanted me to go here? When did I ever stop? Never. Except right here and right now, Balaam. Why? Because I see the angel of the Lord. And the extent of my help, Balaam, is for your life, Balaam. You see? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. You see? Don't forget, this day it happened. Balaam, I never, I, 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 I've, I've never done this to you before, Balaam, except now it's happening, Balaam. But do you know why it's happening, Balaam? It's a result of your choice. Your choice to disobey the Lord. That's why it's happening. In verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. You see? His, eye, his, his ears. His ears were fine in verse 10. His ears were not fine in verse 21. Because the Lord says, okay, if these men call, if, if the men come to call you, then rise and go with them. In verse 21, Balaam's ready to go. He saddled his donkey. He's ready to go. And the men never called him. Disobedience. And now his ears, where they once were able to hear, it's affected, it's moved to his eyes. Now he can't see. You see? 
And he can't see, but his beautiful donkey can. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in hand. You see what's happening here? Now, I have to say something. You, you hear me say this beautiful, beautiful female helper in the form of a donkey. Now, if you feel like, is this guy calling me a donkey? You know, if you, if you feel like that, let me tell you something. Go to the internet and type in donkey with a heavy load. You know, go to the, make sure you know, say search and all that stuff is on. Donkey with a heavy load. And you're going to see pictures of incredible donkeys. And they're going to have these huge, huge, huge loads on their backs. Huge. I mean, you're going to see like this big pile of stuff and like four little legs at the bottom. And you know, wow, those are donkey legs. But wow, this guy's got a huge load on his back. A huge load on her back. When I say donkey, I don't mean like, you know, you're, you know, you're a dumb donkey. I say donkey like, wow, you're a strong donkey. And you're going to see when you see the, if you do a search online, you're going to see these images where the donkey has the weight of the world on his back. The donkey has the weight of the world on her back. And maybe you feel the same. Maybe you feel like the weight of the world is on your back. You see? You have ears to hear. You have eyes to see. And you feel like the weight of the world is on your back. Don't forget the words of our Lord. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you're relying on your own strength. You cannot do that. Because you're going to get tired. You're going to poop out. Remember, this race that we run, it's for the rest of our lives. It's not for five months. It's not for five years. You're going to poop out. And the Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what you do with that load? Yes, you have the weight of the world on your back. You know what you do with that load? You give it to Christ. You give it to Jesus. You see? That's what you do. And so look what happens here. Now, Balaam can see. In verse 31, the, the Lord opened the, Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. I wonder if he realized, wow, this donkey that I wanted to kill, she was actually helping me. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way... Remember, speaking to Balaam, your way, Balaam, is perverse before me. Whoa. Whoa. This is what the angel of the Lord is saying. Your way is perverse before me. Now, you know how, you know, how I said earlier in verse 22, how the majority of time when you see the angel of the Lord, it's 
uh, Christophany, a theophany, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, but sometimes it's not. This, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Because he say, the angel of the Lord says, because your way is perverse. He doesn't say before the Lord. Your way is perverse before me. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Wow. And he has a sword. Don't forget that when Jesus Christ comes again, he will have a sword. A staff his first time as shepherd. When he comes the second time, a sword to judge. Where are the donkeys? Where are the beautiful, 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 beautiful donkeys? Where are they? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. And if she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. You see? Remember the two servants that were with him in verse 22? I wonder if Balaam was, you know, oh, this stupid donkey. She's not submitting to my authority. Look at this dumb donkey. I'm going to kill her. As soon as we get to where we're going, I'm going to kill this dumb donkey and I'm going to buy another one. Without realizing that Balaam lives because of this beautiful, beautiful, blessed donkey. Turn with me really quick to Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. I know we studied this last week, but let's look at it again. Jude chapter 1. In Jude chapter 1, verse, Jude chapter 1, verse 10. Brother Jude says this, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they, do, whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, exclamation point. Woe to them, he says. For they have gone the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. Very interesting, Balaam. Running greedily. Running greedily. I wonder if Balaam was sprinting. Running greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. All these, remember Brother Paul. Brother Paul, in spite of the Spirit, says all these things are written to us as examples for our admonition. How are we admonished today from this account of Balaam and his beautiful, beautiful, blessed donkey? You see? Who has the weight of the world on her back. And she has eyes to see. Very interesting. To those who have ears. Let's go back to Numbers 22 in closing. In Numbers 22 in verse 34. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord. I have sinned for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore if it displeases you I will turn back. So now you see Balaam his acknowledgement of sin. 
the acknowledgement of his sin, and it's beautiful. I have sinned, he says, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Very interesting. So he thought it was the donkey. Unbeknownst, you know, where you see the dis- his disobedience, you also see the obedience of the donkey as a safety net for his soul. Does this resonate? Especially considering that we've studied 1 Corinthians chapter 7 already. Does this resonate? I wonder if it does. In verse 35, then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, now you see the Lord's compassion, his mercy, and his grace. So, okay, now that there's the acknowledgement of your sin, there is repentance of your sin. Now it's like, okay, let's get back to where, let's get back to, you see, his grace. I would have killed you, he said. I would have also killed you by now. He said that in verse 33. And now, okay, everything's fine. Everything's, not everything's fine. I mean, we, there's that history of like what his disobedience, but okay, let's move forward now. In verse 35, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. Very specific instructions. Remember, specificity with intimacy. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. In verse 36, Now when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab, which is on the border of the Arnon, the boundary of the territory. Then Balak said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send to you, calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? Remember the enticement of verse 17. Remember the enticement of verse 17 when he says, I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. This enticement. In verse 38, and Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. Now you see his obedience. His obe- now he's obedient again. Praise be to the Lord. And you know, praise, not to praise and worship the donkey, but praise be to the Lord that the donkey had eyes. Because Balaam would have been dead by now had it not been for his beautiful donkey. His beautiful helper donkey. Female. You see, he's, he's back on track. Obedience. It's good. You see, he's bold. He, he's, he's saying to Balaam, Look, I have come to you! Exclamation point. Wow, that's pretty bold. Now, have I any power to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I must speak. Wow, Balaam, that's pretty bold. Good. You know, praise be to the Lord. He's obedient. Now he is. He's bold. Wow, that's good. For now. But his endurance, his endurance will be found wanting. He doesn't run his race well. He can get through a couple city blocks. Block one, block two, block three, block four, block five. Six block, oh, Balaam, what's happening here? Uh, You know, you almost died there. The Lord wanted to kill you. 
But praise be to the Lord for his donkey. And now, okay, block seven, eight, nine. Okay, praise be to the Lord. But block 20, where's Balaam? And that's what we're going to see in the next subsequent chapters. Where's his endurance? So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirjath Huzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So you see, Balak now, he's fulfilling his promise. Balak said, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you these things. Remember the enticement? You see, wow, good, he's a man of his word. But don't forget that his ultimate desire is to destroy Israel. He wants Israel to be cursed. Don't forget. Just so you know. Just so you know, don't forget. Balak wants Israel to be cursed so that he can defeat Israel. And don't forget, verse 12, when the Lord says, You shall not go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. The Lord makes his position known. And despite the fact that Balak is giving, uh, fulfilling his end of the bargain, he's giving some of the sheep and oxen to Balaam, which, you know, put that in monetary value. I mean, sheep and oxen, that was like, that was wealth. And now Balaam is a little bit more wealthy now that he has this sheep and oxen. And it's not like turtle doves. That's like, you know, wealthy for a poor person. If you're, you're like, here's a here's hundred turtle doves. That's like wealthy, but for a poor person. This is sheep and oxen. Big ticket items. Not everybody has an ox. So now Balaam has more in accordance to the world. And he has this he had intimacy with the Lord. And he's still, we're going to see in these chapters like, wow, this is so beautiful. But he also has intimacy with Balak, king of Moab. A type of Satan. He has intimacy with the Lord and he has intimacy with Balak. And you're going to see an Old Testament example of lukewarm an old testament example of having one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you know what it doesn't work that way you have to be all in i've tried it i tell you from experience it doesn't work so look don't forget Balak wants to destroy Israel. And now you have Balak and Balaam. They're together. You know what you see here? There's no separation. Don't forget Satan is a fisher of men. And you're going to see the persistence of Balak. Where Balaam makes his stand. Bold. Obedient. Wow. Praise be to the Lord. But you're also going to see the persistence of Balak. As a type of Satan. When you're running your race. Okay. One city block. Fine. No big deal. Two city blocks. Okay. No big deal. But Satan will strike. At the fifth city block. At the sixth city block. At the tenth city block. At the hundredth city block. 
at the thousandth city block. And if you're not maturing in Christ, it will be more dangerous for you. Look at Corinth. Look at Corinth. The first Corinthians is such a beautiful, beautiful book. It's painful. It is such a painful book. I love it so much. But it is also so incredibly painful. You look at the works of the flesh in Corinth. And as a result of the works of the flesh, as a result of this rampant disobedience, the vessel of the Lord, Paul, says, okay, remember the Lord is reactionary. The people made their choice. And now the Lord being reactionary uses his vessel, Paul, write this down. And this is a letter that's going to be sent to the church. Commit this guy to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Anybody named a brother who's involved with these things, these works of the flesh, separate from them. You see, this is leaven in the church. That's painful. As much as he cries for unity, 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 yes, unity is beautiful. Unity is the objective. Unity is the church. But unity in accordance with sound doctrine. Not unity with another spirit. Not unity with another God. Unity with Jesus Christ and the Word became flesh. That's why you and me both, we are the ones who align to the Word of God. We are the ones who yield to the Word. We yield to the Spirit. No other way. No other way. You're going to get your feelers hurt. And I tell you from experience. You will get your little feelers hurt the same way I had my little feelers hurt. It happens less now, but it still happens. Look what happens here in closing, verse 41. So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal. Wow. That from there he might observe the extent of the people or the furthest border of the people. Very interesting what we see here. So Balaam, his hearing and his sight is restored by the Lord and also by use of his beautiful helper, the donkey, female, to those who have ears. (laughs) But now he's with Balak. No more donkey. And now he has oxen and sheep, not turtle doves, big ticket items. And now he's in the temple of Baal. Whoa. Understanding that, yeah, he might make it to, you know, 10 city blocks, 20 city blocks. But we're also going to see the persistence and the patience and the potency of Balak, a type of Satan. Now, in these next couple chapters, in the next couple weeks, you're going to see intimacy of Balaam and the Lord. 
which is beautiful. But you're also going to see intimacy of Balaam and Balak. An Old Testament example of the lukewarm Christian. Remember Jesus Christ says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you were lukewarm, I will vomit you out in the body and expelled now out of the body of Christ. And you're going to see in the subsequent chapters, we're going to see some good in Balaam. But in closing, turn with me really quick to chapter 25, Numbers 25. In Numbers 25, look what happens here. In Balaam's race, one city block, two city blocks are now history. Three city blocks, four city blocks are now history. But we get to the 10th city block, the 12th city block, the 20th city block. Look what happens in Numbers chapter 25, verse 1. Now Israel remained in Akisha Grove and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Whoa, 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 what's happening here? They began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab? What is happening here? They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So now there's this unity of where you see uh, uh, intimacy that uh, Balaam has with uh, um, the Lord and Balak, you also see a macrocosm of Israel's intimacy with the Lord and now Moab. Because here in 25 verse 1, we see the people begin to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. In verse 2, they invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Israel is no longer bowing to the Lord. They're no longer sacrificing to the Lord. They're sacrificing and bowing down to the gods of Moab. You see what is happening? Harlotry. Harlotry. That's what's happening. In verse 3, so Israel was joined to Baal. Whoa. Israel was joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Oh my goodness. Do you see what's happening here? Lukewarmness is endemic in the church. It is endemic in the church, the lukewarm lifestyle. You and me, we go from non-believer to cold, to warm, to boiling hot, to white hot. Some cases we go from non-believer to white hot and we don't stop, you know, praise be to the Lord. But for me, I went to, I went from non-believer to warm, to cold, to hot, to cold. And, you know, the Lord messed me up. You know, if I reflect back and I think back, it's like, man, you know, I was like, you know, I was stupid. I was like, you know, the first Corinthians in chapter one and two. Arrested development. I refused to grow. I didn't want to mature. Why? Because yes, I love the Lord, but I also, also love the things of the world. 
Now, today, <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy. People always tell me I'm crazy for saying this. And maybe I won't say to the extent, but I still look forward to my last breath. This world has nothing for us. Nothing. Nothing at all. Look at Israel. Look, They're joined together. They began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. And now instead of sacrificing to the Lord, what we just studied in Exodus, Leviticus, a little bit in Numbers, they're now sacrificing to Moab. After all the Lord has done, they're sacrificing and bowing down to Baal. Now, turn with me to Numbers chapter 31. Numbers 31, verse 16. But Moses was angry with the officer, or this is verse, uh, verse 14, verse 14. Uh, Numbers 31, verse 14. Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds who had come from battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam. Whoa. You think about the sin of Balaam. I mean, we're going to see chapters in, 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 in chapter 23, 24. You're like, wow, Balaam, this is awesome. Wow, you have intimacy with the Lord. The Lord is using you and the Lord is saying these things and you're a vessel of the Lord. But you know what the problem with Balaam is? He does not finish his race. He doesn't finish well. Yeah, he starts fine. He starts fine. First city block, second city block. And he goes into disobedience and the Lord wants to kill him. But his beautiful, beautiful female donkey saves him. And then he continues on in his walk. He continues on in his race. And he runs beautifully. But he does not finish. And he does not finish well. What we read in, you know, where in chapter 25, where Israel, they're, you know, they're now, instead of worshiping the Lord and sacrificing to the Lord, they're now bowing down and worshiping the gods of Moab, Baal. Look at 31 verse 16. These women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. You see? Wow. I love this so much. I love this so much. It's painful. But yet I love this so much. And I say this as a warning to men. To men. Carnality. Male carnality. And I say this of the sexual nature. It will kill you. Do not be deceived. Remember our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6, and 7. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicator. 
nor sexually immoral will inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what females can do to you. Now, females of the donkey kind can also save you. And I say that no disrespect to my sisters in Christ. I'm not saying, you know, you're donkeys. Spiritually speaking, oh my goodness, you can carry the weight of the world on your back. And you know what the Lord says? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You give this load to the Lord. To the men, I warn you. Sexual desires of the carnal nature, they will kill you. And you will not run your race. But to my sisters in Christ, married, unmarried, grandmothers, to my sisters in Christ, my beautiful, beautiful sisters in Christ, pray for the men in your life. Your husbands, your sons, your grandsons, your grandfathers, the pastors, the elders, pray. Pray. You have these dummies of today. Oh, the spirit doesn't work like that anymore. That was for another dispensation. Those are fools. Those are fools. Don't listen to the fool. Don't take the counsel of the fool. You pray. My beautiful sisters, you pray for the men in your life. And watch what the Lord will do. In closing, I said that before, but now this is really in closing. Well, we'll see as the Spirit leads. Turn with me really quick to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Excuse me. A little slurp there. I, I have to drink. If you're listening for the first time, I have to drink because my, my throat is really bad. So I have to I try not to. I try to be quiet when I drink, but sometimes you hear a little, a little something like, like then. So. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is Brother Paul writing to the church in Philippi. What I like to say, not to be blasphemous, but I like to think of the church in Philippi as like 3rd Corinthians. But here, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have, this is Brother Paul saying this. Brother Paul, a pastor unto pastors. Just like he wrote to Timothy and Titus. And Brother Paul says this in verse 12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, which is a verb. It's a military term. It's the earnest pursuit. It's like going forward, going forward. That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I love how Paul writes. This is Paul. He says, I haven't already attained. I'm not already perfected. I haven't already apprehended. But I press on. You know what a lot of Christians do today? They become born again. They say, wow, look, I'm perfected. They become born again. They say, wow, look, I have attained. They walk five months with the Lord and they say, wow, look, you know, I've already apprehended. No. You don't run one city block and you're okay, wow, you know, you're at the finish line. No. 
You don't run two, three, five city blocks. Wow, cool, I'm at the finish line. I don't have to run anymore. No. We press forward. Verse 12, not that I'm already, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul is running his race. You see? He is running his race, not for a couple months, not for a couple years, until his last dying breath. He says this in verse 14, verse 14, I press toward the goal for which the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what he presses toward. Therefore, let us as many as are mature, you see. As many as are mature have this mind. You see, this same mind. Not another spirit. Not another mind. It's not like, okay, yeah, let's have the mind of Christ and then go grave soaking. Let's have the mind of Christ and then, you know, let's take the mark of the beast. Oh, let's have this same mind of Christ and, you know, say that uh, the promises unto Israel are gone. No, that's another spirit. Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. It's the same mind. Let us, a people of the way, let us not count ourselves as already attained. Let us, a people of the way, not count ourselves as already perfected. Let us, a people of the way, not count ourselves as already apprehended. But let us, a people of the way, count ourselves as pressing forward, as forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward and pressing towards those things which are ahead. Verse 15, Paul says this, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. I love this so much. It's just like that rugby game. A a five-year-old playing rugby with a 20-year-old. Seemingly dangerous for the five-year-old, but the 20-year-old is going to humble himself. The 20-year-old is going to humble herself to where this five-year-old is now having a fun time, an enjoyable time playing rugby and is going to learn from the 20-year-old. And both the 20 and the five-year-old are going to learn from the 80-year-old who jumps on the field and says, okay, let's play a game of rugby and let's have a blast. Let's have fun in this field. You see? Let us, as many as as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. I love this. Not a sprint. We don't have to sprint. Who's the fastest? Who could could run? Who can get to the second city block the fastest? 
Who can get to the 10th city block the fastest? Okay, book it. Let's run. Let's sprint. No. Because if you sprint, you know what's going to happen? You're, you might be the first one to make it to the 10th city block. You might be the first one. But you know what? You're going to look behind you and you're going to be all alone. Or you might sprint and you know, you're, and you're going to sprain an ankle after one block. And then everybody else is going to leave you behind because they're sprinting and you have to walk. And there's an enemy out there who roams around like a lion. Waiting for whom he may devour. And he's going to see you right there. Everybody's gone. And there you are with your sprained ankle. You stopped. And boom, he's going to attack. But no. Here on this rugby team, we have 80-year-olds. We have 20-year-olds. We have 5-year-olds. Which requires humility. On those who are mature. And look what Paul says here. Brother, beautiful, beautiful brother Paul. In verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us not sprint. Let us walk. Let us walk. A people of the way. Walking. Where? Not in this world. We're walking through the world. Not walking by sight. Walking by faith. And when we, walk, when we walk by faith, even the donkeys may speak. When we walk by faith, people will be healed. Miracles will happen. Oh, that was for another dispensation. Listen to our study in First Corinthians last Sunday. Listen to our study about the gifting of the Holy Spirit. No expiration date. I don't care what anybody says. You look at their wall in their church office, you'll see, you know, degree in this, degree in that from XY University. I could care less. These are the ones who were proclaimed to you. Oh, that was for another dispensation. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. Oh, by the way, it's okay to take the mark of the beast. Here, just, you know, read my study Bible. Fools. Professing to be wise, they became fools. On their way to apostasy as prophesied in Holy Scriptures. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Keep this in mind as we continue further in our study in Numbers and we reflect on Balaam, his intimacy with the Lord, but then also his intimacy with Balak, a type of Satan. And you're going to see it doesn't end well. It does not end well for Balaam. Now, I said in closing... But let's look at Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. In verse 12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. Very interesting. You see the angel of the Lord with the sword in our study in Numbers. And here, Revelation, something which will come to pass. 
the Lord has his sharp two-edged sword. In verse 13, 13, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith. Even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold her to who adhere to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Remember the council of Balaam in Numbers 31? And the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel because instead of worshiping and sacrificing unto him, they were worshiping and sacrificing Baal. Balaam presented a stumbling block to Balak or a stumbling block to Israel. He taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, if that's you, if this is you and in the course of today's study or even in past studies, if you find yourself Realizing, acknowledging that you are like Balaam. You might sprint. Your endurance might be found wanting. Look at verse 16. Repent. You must, you must, you must repent. If you're lukewarm, you must repent. Repent. The clarion call of Holy Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. Repent, repent, repent. In verse 16, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Look at the obedience of Balaam. And in his disobedience, now in his disobedience, he was an enemy of the Lord. And the Lord would have killed him had it not been for his female helper. You see, repent. We are in the last days. Be washed, be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Drink of his living water. Where you find yourself wanting and according to Holy Scripture, repent, 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 repent. Oh, I don't have to repent. People say, you know, I don't, you don't have to repent. Once saved, always saved. Well, if once saved, always saved were true. Verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos. So you have Christians in Pergamos. Christians, a church in Pergamos, a fellowship of saints in Pergamos. Why would the Lord say Repent. If one saved, all was saved were true. Why, why would the Lord in verse 16 say, repent? You see, what does that say? One saved, all was saved. You must repent. Be cleansed. Be washed. And let us, a people of the way, be clean in this camp. As we traverse our way to this world, through this world, on our way to paradise. We're going to continue our study, Lord willing, through the book of Numbers next week. God bless you. I love you.